0: Ears Music, showcasing Under the Radar Music.
1: Yes, everyone, welcome back to the show. So, this week's guests are back with a new album that's been almost 25 years in the making from being in the thick of the Brit pop scene in the 90s. The kind, a bat with a brand new album it's called Timelines. We've had him on the show before. It's frontman Mr. Paul King. How are you, Paul? I'm good, thank you, man. Good stuff. So it's um we we spoke uh, I think in the midst of lockdown. Um and obviously that's a couple of years uh back, yeah back down the line.
2: Yeah, I think we were just coming out of lockdown, weren't we? I think we basically sort of got together and started to um We'd sort of reformed and we'd sort of got together and we were starting to get songs together and begin to look about, you know, recording them and that kind of thing. So it was a while ago. It was definitely, you know, 18 months ago, at least, I would think.
1: Yeah, I think so. And um, we um, we played a couple of the new songs, but we also played a couple of the tunes from the 90s as well. Whereas today, um very pleased we're going to showcase and preview the new album.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's all all new, uh, all, all new old stuff. No, it's uh, some of it. Some of it is old uh, stuff that we were prepping for the second album. I think I, t- I think as I told you last time that uh, we had all these songs ready to go, and then you know the record company dropped us, and uh, you know there was interpersonal problems within the uh, within the band, and it all sort of. Uh, just kind of uh, went tits up at the end there really but we had um, <laughs> we had uh, we had a you know a good sort of half a dozen songs that were all prepped and demoed and ready and we were sort of already thinking right okay we're sort of setting up now for the second album and then of course it never happened so those those songs have been uh, as I think I told you last time have been sort of dug out and um, and relearned and uh, and then we've written a few new ones as well and um yeah it's very much. I think all along, we've always kind of felt that it'd be really interesting to make uh, the album, the second album that we would have made had we not split up. You know, this is kind of potentially the album that would have come out in about 2001, 2002. But with that said, you know, obviously it's contemporary. I mean, some of the songs are, are brand new, so so it's not it's not a museum piece, but certainly in our heads, I think that's the way we were thinking that it's like, you know, in an alternate timeline, this would have been what the second album would have been like. Uh, and in fact, it, it, you know, as it is,
1: as it is. So that brings us nicely on, actually. So Timelines is the title of the record. And mm. when you mentioned there the alternate timeline. So did that sort of lead you to uh, to come up with it at
2: time. Uh, actually it didn't it, it it wasn't that at all. the reason we went with with the uh, the, the name timelines which i think danny i'm pretty sure danny came up with that but we there's you know it's not like some wanky concept album but there's a number of songs we realized when we were recording them and rehearsing these songs again um there are a number of these songs that are about you know time the passing of time uh, you know, loss, that kind of thing. There seems to be a theme, not, not on every track, but on, you know, on probably over half the songs, there's this sort of, th- this sort of almost like an unspoken kind of theme. Um, and we wanted to reflect that. And, uh, you know, I think, I mean, I, I think I wanted to call the album Time Pieces, but uh, Tristan, our bass player, didn't like that because uh, <laughs> there's apparently a, uh, an Eric Clapton, greatest hits or something that's called that, which is, you know, fair enough. Um, and we had, you know, we had other things like, um, Hourglass, which is a word that's mentioned in in one of the songs on the album. Um, Time will tell, I think, was a was another one. Time and tide, I think. Uh, but in the end, yeah, we, we the one we the only one we all really agreed on was timelines, and I think that was Danny, our guitarist's suggestion. Um, but it just really is to reflect, really to sort of reflect that you know it's the the, the, the uh, some of the songs have this sort of theme of you know, a loose theme of passing time and uh, that kind of thing.
1: So I think it's fair to say then that in the writing and recording, I mean, obviously, like you say, a couple of the songs um, are from circa maybe 99, 2000, with a view of releasing it in 2001 or two. Mm-hmm. But when, you, when you're all in a the studio then, is it fair to say that you were in a reflective and a celebratory mood? So reflecting on past glories and what happened and also celebrating a chance to get back together and looking forward to the future? I think
2: to an extent, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we went back to the same studio that we recorded our first album in again...
1: Oh, yeah, so it was the same studio then, was yeah, it? Yeah,
2: same producer, um, uh, all of that. And, and actually, the, the studio hasn't changed at all. <laughs> it's, it's like a bit of a time warp, you know. But again... <laughs> Timelines
1: do the time warp. Yeah, that's right.
2: That's right. But... Uh, you know, and, and and actually, I mean, it's a great studio. So it was recorded at Bark in Walthamstow, which, uh, and it's pro- it was produced and recorded and engineered by Brian O'Shaughnessy, who some of uh, your listeners may know from having worked with people like Primal Scream and um, My Bloody Valentine and Dodgy uh, and, and bands like that back in the day. Uh, Beth Orton as well. I think he did some of her stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I love Beth Orton. Uh, anyway, um, so, yeah, we went back there. But I have to say, it was you know it feels very uh, now you know it feels very vital and feels exciting you know as i say uh, some of the songs are brand new um and even the older songs you know they don't sound dated they you know they're very easy for us as musicians to inhabit you know and get up on stage and play and that kind of thing and so i don't think it was that reflective i think i think we would just you know wanted to get in there and do our best and uh, and come up with a with a with a good album which we've which we've done i know we're all really happy with how it's turned out and how it sounds you know
1: so, if you could describe the album in one snappy sentence, what would it be? Uh,
2: um, I would. I would say it's. It is glittering. No, it's. Hang on. It's shimmering, melodic indie power pop with big catchy choruses.
1: That's how I would describe it. I love that. That is the tagline right there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right, then we're gonna we're gonna spin a tune from it now, and. I thought it was. Um, I thought it was satanized. It's satanized. Yeah, yeah, no, oh. it's not
2: satanized. We're not like <laughs> some kind of devil worshiping, you know, heavy metal band. Uh, uh, no, it's, it's satanized.
1: So, just tell us a little bit about writing this song, then.
2: Uh, so well I mean lyrically I guess it's about it's it's really just just a kind of a love song but it's about a girl um with uh kind of brownie hazily sort of eyes uh i initially uh, I sort of had this idea of writing a song called um Saturn eyed child which i thought sounded like some lost mark Boland thing but anyway that eventually <laughs> that eventually morphed into satin eyes I just like the idea of uh you know, a, a woman with eyes that are, you know, kind of distant and lonely looking, you know, lonely like a planet, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but it's very birdsy, you know, it's a very up-tempo, jangly. So, yeah, we're, we're all big fans of the birds in, in the band. And uh, this is probably the most Great birdsy, yeah, probably the most birdsy track we've ever done, really. Um, yeah.
1: Well, we're going to give it a spin now. And Paul, it's over to you to introduce it.
2: Uh, right. So this is uh, The Kind with Satin Eyes.
0: the sad time
1: And Paul. so let's take it right back to the start then so what was the first physical record of any kind that you bought uh
2: it was uh, an adam and the ants single it was stand and okay. stand and deliver um it was on seven inch vinyl um and I, I i loved it i played it to absolute death you know it was the first record i'd ever owned so it was the only record I could play and my you know my parents were just absolutely sick of it after half a day I just on and on you know A-side and the B-side you know the B-side was a song called Beat My Guest which uh, uh, is actually all about that kind of um, uh, weird kind of sadomasochistic things but um, I had no idea about that at the time you know I was only a a little nipper but um, but yeah that that was the first one I I still really like that record you know I still think Adam and the Answer are a damn good band Um, they're quite a weird band actually I mean they don't they are a little bit out there, aren't they? But they, yeah, I mean, they, they kind of you know, obviously lumped in with that whole kind of um, early 80s new romantic kind of thing. But they're a million miles away from somebody, you know, like I don't know, like early Spandau Ballet or early Duran Duran. I mean, there's a whole pantomime thing that they've got going where they're all dressed up as like you know, women and sort of you know, Native American Indians and stuff <laughs> like that. And yeah, but they're weird, but they're also a weird sounding band, you know, with that sort of um. Uh, kind of drum heavy kind of approach but uh i still love them i still love them now. like the
1: lead instrument with the drum
2: yeah that's right it's a very unorthodox sound but um but very distinctive and uh yeah i, I i've got no shame or embarrassment about that being my first single I, I still think that's a cracking song
1: have you still got it now is it still in the collection I have actually, yeah, I oh, have. Yes it's, barely, yes,
2: it's barely playable. It's barely so scratch. It's so scratch. You know, uh, from playing like playing frisbee with it or something. But <laughs> yeah, I do. I do still have it. You know, it has. I would never get rid of it. It has tremendous uh, sort of significance. You know, in terms of that kind of nostalgia factor.
1: You know, brilliant. Well, we're talking about your album, and it's and it's out this month. So I'd rather
2: talk about Adam and the ants. But anyway, go on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and we've been running a competition over on in your ears uh to win a bundle so guys you need to hit up the socials and uh, and get involved there but Paul, just tell us about you guys being in the studio again after all this time
2: um so the studio was was a lot of fun uh, as i said it's um it's a little bit of a, of a sort of a time capsule in bark studios it hasn't Hasn't really been kind of updated, um, which again ties into that whole kind of thing that I was saying about where it's almost like, well, this you know, this could have been the album that we would have recorded, you know, and, and even down to it was being recorded on the same gear, um, you know, and, and there's things like sometimes the, um, so I think it was Danny described it as a bit like the Millennium Falcon that sometimes the desk. <laughs> Sometimes the desk doesn't really work, and you have to bang it, and uh, and then it would come back to life. But it's it's all a little bit sort of yeah, a little a little bit um, faded glory, you know. But but Brian's still got a great set of ears. Uh, he's still a great producer. Um, and I mean, I, I you know everybody always thinks that their latest stuff is the best stuff that they've ever done. That's just that's just what musicians are like you know but I really do think you know and I, I'm sure I speak on behalf of uh Danny and Tristan um in the band when I say this that I really think that this blows our first album into the weeds you know it's just it, this is the album we were we were kind of born to make you know
1: amazing well we're gonna we're gonna spin another record now from the album and this is my pick so I was having I've been lucky enough to have a preview and I was having a little listen and this song just blew me away it gives me Um, I don't know if you're going to agree with me, Paul, but it gives me a little Small Faces meets Early Stones vibes. Absolutely. Especially especially the intro. And um, it's whispers and tones. I just want you to tell me a little bit of the story around it.
2: Um, So, uh, well, lyrically, it's kind of a heavy, heavy subject matter, really. It's about uh, like a a blind child who's um, essentially sitting in church, raging at God, you know, uh, and I mean, really, it's it's about it's about how you reconcile, you know, faith in in a kind of a, a benign God, you know, with with having this disability and uh, and how that would maybe keep you apart, you know, sort of trying to get into the head of somebody who has that kind of disability. It was sort of sort of influenced. Um, a little bit by a by a poem by uh, Wilfred Owen, which is a uh, uh, oh about, right okay yeah yeah you know the old First World War poem yeah it's yeah sort of there's a there's a poem that he wrote called Disabled and it's about it's about people that were you know injured
1: had their arms so have been blown off yeah casualties within the right
2: term. but what I liked about it was that it really focuses in on how how a disability like that keeps you apart and I think you know I think we've all kind of you know we we've all kind of felt uh, excluded or felt apart at some point so of oh,
1: course yeah
2: but um but the, the what i also like about it is that, that it's not a, a heavy sounding track you know it's uh it, it's a really up tempo rocky poppy kind of um thing and i love that you know i love it when bands have you know just great pop music but if you want to scratch a little bit deeper and start looking at the lyrics there yeah, is actually something yeah there's something actually being said there you know yeah. rather than oh i love your baby kind of thing you know <laughs> um so yeah it's it sounds like a heavy song but you know a heavy subject matter but it's um it's it's not a heavy song in that way it's it's quite pop or, or yeah, rock pop i guess i'd
1: call it it is i was almost thinking that it's almost like the perfect rock pop tune well we're going to hear it now and this is the kinds with whispers and tones <laughs> So, Paul, you guys hail from Shelf and St. Peter, and I've been reading up <laughs> about the, your little village and a couple of top actors, specifically from the 70s. So, John Larry, who was in uh, Dad's Army, he was Private uh, Fraser, and then Brody from The Professionals. They lived there, didn't they? So, um,
2: yeah, that's that's right. There's, I, I think, as well, Robert Palmer had a house oh, there. Oh,
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, I think he's so. Yes, yes.
2: Uh, I think so. I seem to remember years and years ago, like when we did our first demo tape back in the early 90s, um, sitting outside his house, trying to sort of pluck up courage to go and knock on the door. And we bottled it in the end. We never
0: uh,
1: I think
2: we, the, idea, the idea was we were going to give him our demo tape, which was shit anyway. Um, and uh, you know, he was going to say, hey, I'm going to make you boys stars you know, or something like that. Anyway, um, it's funny that, you know, people people often talk about this. Chalmers and Peter, that we went to school in Chalmers and Peter, it's where we met, you know, um, and it's where the band formed, and people sort of talk about it like sort of laughing up their sleeve because I, I think a lot of people think it's a really posh town, and they sort of feel like a little bit oh you know you must be posh boys kind of thing. But it's right next to Gerrards Cross, which is a really posh place. Oh but, yes, but Chelmsford and Peter, you know, actually there's bits of it that are pretty horrible. It's quite rough. Um, <laughs> I, I you know I took my wife to a uh, to a pub in Chelmsford and Peter just a couple of weeks ago. And we'd been in there about five minutes when two people, two separate people, started to have a go at us, and, and and you know it felt like it could kick off. It's quite a rough place. It's not as nice as people think. It's really you know really posh. I think it's a bit horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: suppose it does depend on the pub you frequent.
2: <laughs> well, that maybe that maybe that is maybe a, There's a lot of you know it's a town and there's a lot of nasty townies. Let's just put it yeah. that way, you know.
1: I mean, there are anywhere, aren't they? But yeah, I just, good, yeah. To, um, I just wanted to—I um, just wanted to, I suppose, get an idea of what coming, how coming from there impacted the early days in the band and formed the band.
2: Um, I don't know that it really specifically affected us or influenced us, really, other than you know, of course, it was you know, just it was geographically, it was where we, yeah, it was where we, it was where we all met. I don't know that we, our music's particularly influenced by the town we came from. Um, I mean, I'm not from there anyway. I I live about 10 miles up the road, but the other two guys uh, and our original drummer were all there and we all went to school there and that's where we met. So, yeah, it sort of, uh, you know, it looms large in the kind story without a doubt, but I don't know that I could really sort of say, oh, you know, it's had any effect on how we sound really. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so you're 10 miles up the road where you can get uh, less agro having a pound.
2: oh no it's even, it's even shitter where I'm it's
1: even shitter okay so are you guys um, we've got the album coming out this month and are you going on tour to support the album have you got anything special lined up live um, we've got some gigs I don't think we're going to tour as
2: such uh, although you know if somebody like Ride or the Charlatans or Primal Scream came and came knock in, we would love to have a little support slot with them. Uh, the going around the country. If you're listening if you're
1: yeah, listening. Yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, you know, but uh, no, I think I think what we're going to do, we've got some gigs lined up. There's a few that I can't really tell you about at the moment, but we have, um, so we have a gig this, um, uh, well, actually I, I was going to say we're going to have a gig this coming week, but probably it will have uh, already been and gone by then. Uh, but we are playing in Oxford, for instance, at the Jericho tavern on the 16th of june um and we're playing with uh, uh, another great band called the institutes uh which some oh are they really, are a good band yeah. yeah 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 we played with them before we played at a festival at speakeasy festival and i think actually i think i should be better prepared for this but i think that the, the gig on june the 16th is being presented by the speakeasy fanzine uh guys and girls so yeah okay and
1: so you said that there's a couple in the works that okay you're not going to reveal here yeah there are so um, get on the socials and uh keep looking
2: out and i I always liked what the stone roses did you know that the stone roses never went out on tour they just did special occasion little uh little one-off gigs um yeah uh, yeah, they were they were obviously a little bit bigger than us you know spike island and stuff like (laughs) that but um but that's that's kind of what we're doing you know it's uh little select gigs every month or every couple of months and um yeah, there'll be more to be revealed. So, you know, watch our, watch our social media and uh, come and see us. We're a
1: damn good live band. Well, now that I can believe, absolutely. And uh, if The Kind were having a dinner party, let's say to celebrate the album launch, and you could have <laughs> one guest, who would it be? Um... That's
2: a good question. I, do you know what? It's a it's a bit of a stock answer, but I'm going to say Paul McCartney because
1: uh yeah. You know,
2: I think I think the Beatles are, pro- are probably uh, the band's number one influence. You know, along with a lot of other, you know, kind of uh, melodic guitar pop bands. You know, like REM or the Birds or the Who or um, you know the Stone Roses or the House of Love Blur you know, lots of those, lots of those sort of bands. But I think if, you know, hand on heart, our number one sort of influence for for all of us in the band is is probably the Beatles. So, but having said that, I'm just thinking, as I'm saying that, I'm just thinking, but actually probably Keith Richards from the Stones would be a more fun guest. Um, So anyway.
1: (laughs) Is there a cooler man that's existed than Keith Richards? I don't don't think so. I don't think so. He is up there, isn't it? Absolutely, and of course, I mean the Beatles. What they, they when you listen to the albums as they developed. So you're talking like Peppers, um, Onwards, really. Um, I suppose Revolver as well. But I always find it it blows my mind that there are only four members in that band.
2: Oh, I know it's it's incredible the 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 rate of growth. I mean, I think I think the pop music. World and industry, the music industry moved much faster then than it does now. Anyway, but yeah, I always sort of think if you sort of think that like the the Hard Days Night album, which is a great you know early Beatlemania kind yeah. of really great pop album. If you think there's only what what um, uh, like a couple of years between that and Revolver, you know, there's it? only like two years between sort of Can't Buy Me Love and Tomorrow Never Knows. You know, it's that's that's quite some evolution, and and not only you know. Not only that, but they did it in such a way that it, it felt like a very natural progression and managed to basically take all their fans with them. That's the thing. That's the thing with the Beatles. I think it's amazing is that they were utterly, utterly envelope pushing, but at the same time, always really commercial. You know, you could yeah. they were never going to alienate anybody because their songs were just so melodic and so good that within that framework, they were also able to really. I mean, I, I think, you know, a, a song like um, Tomorrow Never Knows still sounds Pretty envelope pushing, even now.
1: Absolutely, I listen to Tomorrow Never Knows sometimes on the radio, and it's just like, honestly, it blows you away. Like you say there, like it's sort of seven years from Please 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 Me to Across the Universe. uh, On yeah,
2: yeah, 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 ever so quick. You know, Uh, and it's not even just the Beatles. If you think about just how much the pop music or the rock music scene changed from like 1963 to sort of 1970, uh, it's it's incredible. You know, I mean, it's not, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, uh, things obviously evolved now, but there's not really much difference between what was on the radio seven years ago and what's on the radio today, really, you know, in terms of modern contemporary music.
1: Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. and I, I know exactly where you're going with that. And I think like the 60s, if I could go back in time, if I had that superpower for the week, I would go back <laughs> to the 60s all day long, because I just think like, also like the, the start and end of that decade, so much happened.
2: Yeah, 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 I will. We'll see you there. We'll catch
1: a lift with you. We'll, uh, we'll go back. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so in your day's music, we're all about supporting budding artists as well. Um, and somebody who's been there and done it, of course, through another amazing movement, which was Britpop in the 90s. Have you got any advice to somebody that might be picking up an instrument or a microphone for the first time?
2: Uh, well, the first thing I would say is don't listen to anybody who's got any advice to give um but but with you know without being facetious about it I guess really I would just sort of say you know the, the I think I think the most important thing for any artist anybody who's making music any musician is that actually to create good art to create good music is is and should be its own reward you know that uh, you know you can get very hung up particularly nowadays with you know how many likes something's got how many followers you've got you know all that whole kind of social media thing which is absolutely really important but but you should also i think sometimes for some musicians it can almost sort of detract from the joy of making the music and creating the music and actually you know of course we all want recognition we all want to sell a lot of records we all want to make a little bit of money but (laughs) but you know the first and foremost thing really is is just it's enough to just create some really bloody good art um and and that that is uh you know, and other than that, I guess, practice hard, play live as often as you can, if that's your thing, if you're that kind of band. And um, uh, and just, yeah, always whole, remember... hold new craft. Absolutely, absolutely that. You know, um, they always say, don't they, that a live gig is worth 10 rehearsals or something like that. Because, yeah, that's... Yeah, you, you've got to make your mistakes. Um, uh, uh, and, yeah, absolutely that, learn your craft, um, which isn't that easy these days, because there aren't many live music venues like there no. used to be. But... Uh, but yeah, that's the main thing. But yeah, I, it's a bit of a hippie ish answer, but I would just say just remember that creating great art is its own reward.
1: I like that. And I think people will take a lot from that as well. And talking about the independent scene, is there anybody out there who's caught your eye recently? Uh
2: well, I think you asked me this last time we were we were chatting and um I think I said the, the um, a lady called Hazel English, who is oh, yeah. a, um, and I still, you know, like two years, eighteen months later, or whatever, I'm still really into her. You know, great sort of shoegazy, uh, sort of dream pop kind of thing. But um, somebody I listened to just the other day because we we're doing a gig with them, and I, I, I did not heard their music before. Was a, a band called uh, Syracuse. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if you know them, but anyway, we're we they're supporting us actually on um, uh, on uh, the 16th of June, along. We, we, I think it's a joint headliner with the Institute. So it's the kind, the Institute's, and I think Syracuse are the sort of first on, but they're really good. I was checking some of their, some of their music out. It sounds very uh, early nineties, which I like, you know, a little bit sort of early ride, early kind of primal scream. It sounds, you know, it doesn't sound that, that Brit pop. It's more like that sort of slightly earlier indie stuff from the sort of late eighties and the early nineties. But um, that said, I think the singer um, he's kind of got a bit of uh you know Liam Gallagher sort of, of swaggering swag. boys, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and the other band I really like as well that I uh, actually I'd, I'd heard them before. Um, I met them. We were doing a gig a couple of weeks back down in Hastings, uh, and they they just turned up. Uh, is a is a duo called Big Reference who um, are actually supporting us at our next gig, which will have I'm sure will have come and gone by the time this is broadcast. But um, they're really great. They're they're, they're a male female duo uh very pastoral kind of uh folky it's just really nice music you know it's well well written well played and well sung uh, so i'm taking it they harmonize as well yeah beautiful yeah. harmonies really nice. and I, i'm a sucker for that kind of thing you know? i am I, as well so i, I need love to it, get it. Them yeah. Out. uh yeah big reference and uh, and syracuse and also good old hazel english who i've been obsessed with for at least two years now <laughs>
1: <laughs> and i tell you what hastings is a beautiful part of the world isn't it well, it is now, but do you, know, we went there, you know, I I do.
2: We we went there. We did a gig there in uh, back in the nineties. On we were on. Okay, September. okay. <laughs> and I, what we remember, our overriding—I don't remember the gig, but what I do remember is that it was a bit. We were playing somewhere in a i think it was called the crypt or something like that the venue um but it was it was in a bit of what, what was at the time a bit of a rough area,
1: rough the, area of hastings in eh? battle of hastings that's it yeah it
2: was the battle of hastings was happening outside as we were
1: um, <laughs> outside. It, it
2: didn't want to catch an arrow in the eye you know so um, <laughs> but the guy who ran the venue took one look at us we kind of had long hair and looked a bit sort of indian a bit artsy i suppose and he said uh I tell you what, lads, you better not go out and get something to eat because you won't be coming back. Um, So uh, so he fixed us up something in the kitchen, and that was my overriding memory. But of course, now it's beautiful. It's like, it's sort of a bit like, um, It's sort of a bit like the new Brighton in a way. It's very, uh, very bohemian, very artsy. I like it.
1: Bohemian, yeah. That that was the impression. I mean, Brighton. Wow, I I just love that place. But yeah, I thought Hastings was quite bohemian. But I love that. So the gig promoters like, you better not go and get a kebab because you're not coming back. Absolutely. He was like, you never make it back. You by this point as well. So he needed to get
2: his money's worth. That's right. That's right. He's going to sort of send us out there and do away with this. But um, but yeah. So that was my overriding um, my my overriding memory of Hastings. But that was uh, thankfully replaced by um, a lovely gig. Or we actually did three gigs in one night at a little sort of clubs. It's uh, this thing they do. That's old school. Yeah, it's very punk rock. You know, you get up there and you just do. We did half an hour, I think, each one. So you just blast out six or seven numbers, grab the gear down the road off to the next one. And there's lots of other bands doing the same thing, you know. So it's uh it was fun, really fun. Yeah.
1: So what were what were your timings then? Was it like all in the evening or did you have a matinee on the go?
2: No, that was all in the evening. Um I think it's a week long thing that uh that culminates on Shrove Tuesday on Pancake Day. So it's called something like Fat Tuesday. Uh and that was when we played. So it was a midweek thing but it was packed. The town was just packed with people wanting to see live music. Um, and that's where I met the, the, uh, the uh, people from uh, Big Reference, this the, the band I was just saying about. Did, did the uh, gig promoters cook for you this time? Did they nut you up a pancake? <laughs> there was no food. I was really disappointed. No food. I had to go to some dodgy uh, chippy. Um, but anyway,
1: <laughs> Bit <of> an eye-opener. <laughs> 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 yes. So you finally got that kebab in Hastings. <laughs> 25 right, years yes. on. Uh, and I didn't get killed for it so it was good (laughs) Paul thank you so much for coming on mate Um, we've had great fun again as we did the first time yeah my
2: pleasure man always nice to speak to you
1: absolutely and uh, I've loved chatting and best of luck with the album and like you've said you have got a gig this week this show will probably go out after that gig's been and gone but best of luck with it I hope yeah Uh,
2: and don't forget that we are playing uh, in Oxford on the 16th of June with uh, the institutes and also with this band syracuse who are really good and you should you should be checking them out
1: amazing and uh, i'm gonna hand the reins over to you because we're we're not quite done yet so this is over to you because we're gonna hear one more tune from the new album and it's gonna be your pick and i want you to tell us a little bit about it and then introduce it
2: uh so the song that uh i'm going to pick is a, is a song called older which is actually our most recent single um it's really about uh, the end of a long distance kind of love affair um yeah, and again it's just one of these songs that deals with you know the subjects of kind of passing time feelings of loss you know moments that can never occur again um
1: i like that I, I like that yeah, I, I think about it. moments that can never occur again
2: yeah, there's a line in the song, it says, um, a time once lost um, is never regained. Um, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a good song. I think the band have done a really good job with it. I'm pleased how it's turned out. People tell me that it's got a very catchy chorus, very anthemic chorus, so that's, that's, that's good. But uh, yeah, so this is called Older.